2,500 customers paying $5,000 ACVs, you were at a $24 million run rate then. And if you added eScribe revenue on top of that, you've got to be probably either flirting with or past 30 million at this point. Is that accurate? That is accurate. And You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey, folks, my guest today is Perun Shada. He is the founder of onboardmeetings.com. He's doing this to inspire and enable the best board meeting experience possible and finding technology solutions to empower that. All right, Perun, you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. Let's have at it. All right. Now, a lot of people, maybe they haven't raised VC. They don't even know what it's like to manage a board. Why is managing a board meeting hard? Great question. Um, you know, I like to say that there is often a board meeting that you have in mind uh, based on your agenda and the pre-board meeting discussions. Then there's an actual board meeting that you end up having. And then two days after the board meeting, you realize there's a, a whole different board meeting that you should have had. And this emotion is true for all CEOs every time I've checked. And uh, board meetings are hard because they're structured meeting. Uh, you know, there's a lot of prep that goes into it. And right before the board meeting, you are clearest about your business. You know, this is what's going well and what's not. And there's new topics to be introduced and they often show up. And the preciousness of that time to make all the calls, to make sure you're thinking through everything makes it a very tough interaction. It's difficult to nail them. And our objective is to help CEOs and boards really get the most out of the investment by making uh, the meeting that you had in mind, the meeting that you actually have, the meeting that you should have had all be the same thing. Now, when we chatted back in July or August of last year, you'd said you had over 2,500 founders and boards really using the platform and also a lot of government agencies and things of that nature too. Are you still at about 2,500 or have you grown customer base? We've grown past 3,000 at this point. Wow. And uh, we're adding about, you know, um, I'd say about um, 80 to 100 customers a month. That's Mm -hmm. the clip that we are operating at. And we, you know, since we spoke last time, we actually really got a chance to acquire a company called eScribe out of Toronto. Uh, and they are squarely focused on the local government. Uh, you know, so these are towns and cities, uh, you know, and also special districts and schools. Uh, so government funded uh, boards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which that uh, matches nicely. That matches nicely the base you were selling into. So when you say you're adding 80 to 100 per month right now, new customers, are they the same kind of customers you've been serving? They're, they're school agencies, they're boards, government folks? They're all, they're all board meetings and they're all boards that we are adding, boards and committees. And, you know, yeah, we were actually right around 60, 70 prior. And with eStripe coming in, we are actually seeing, you know, most months clock around 70, 80 to, you know, 100, depending on if it's a quarterly, a quarter ending month or not. Now, your ARPU back then, you said that these customers were paying on, you know, on average five grand a year to manage, you know, two or three board meetings annually. Was eScribe's ARPU significantly below yours or were they more enterprise than you or were they exact match, same size customers? 
they are actually higher. So if you think of a city council, there's often you know uh, a much bigger number of people involved, so more subscribers. Uh, their uh, you know average contract uh, you know pre-transaction was right around 2025. Oh wow. Okay. Had they learned about? Was that because there were more seats using their platform? Or were they upselling more, more features that you hadn't built yet? More seats, and there was some technology that we really liked uh, that has application in all board pursuits that we have. Um, I, I like this, you know, uh, you know, this transaction mainly. Similar culture gives access to talent. They're based in Toronto primarily, and then there were a team that was trying to get into the U.S. market. We are, of course, well entrenched, you know. Uh, Couple hundred people working in different cities here in U.S., so we can bring eScribe product to the U.S. market. We've had tremendous success with that. I'm sitting here in Laguna, um, you know, Beach in California, and uh, you know, we just signed up Laguna Beach as a customer, uh, you know, uh, two weeks ago. So lots of synergies and you know, market expansion, some access to talent, and then certainly rounding out our portfolio in terms of covering all meetings. Uh, public meetings, uh, you know, uh, these are the public sector meetings, I should say. And then with, through Onboard, uh, you know, we are also, of course, doing private uh, boards and then publicly listed companies and then also nonprofits. And when you made the purchase of eScribe, how many customers did they have at the time? They had about uh, 400 customers on change. Oh, 400. I mean, so so 400 times a $20,000 ACV. I mean, they, they were like five, six, eight million in revenue, something like that. Yeah, I know. Uh, I would say, you know, just short of that, but yeah, that was sort of the revenue range. You know, they were in the five to ten million range. But yeah. that, I don't know the exact specific number this uh, this time, but yeah. When did you close the transaction? So you know, since we last spoke, we we raised money, and then we actually really did this transaction around August September. So we are closing in on one year anniversary of that. And then we also actually divested. There was a divesture that happened. There's an intranet business that I started long ago called Ensemble. So we sold that off towards the end of the year just because it had become slightly off center compared to you know, where we were headed. What now was that called? It was called Ensemble. On some, on some, like, on, like E-N-S-M Ensemble? Spelled O-N, but yes, it sounds ah, okay. Ensemble exactly. So it was an employee collaboration product. And, uh, you know, uh, to, to uh, quickly summarize, we started with an employee collaboration tool, pivoted towards board collaboration because the intranets uh, are tougher, you know, uh, market. The extranets really became very important, especially when it comes to boards and, you know, uh, all the other folks that you work with. So we pivoted in towards that market and then found a lot of success. And then now we've added eScribe. With all of this, the focus had become meetings, whether it's boards or committees or you know commissions and such. And the intranet product really kind of looked a little off center, so we actually got it to the right spot. There's a company called N Contracts that actually, you know, uh, was doing a roll up on various employee collaboration tools, and that's where uh, that team and that customer base is now gone. Was that a small sort of meaningless transaction, or did it make you know more than a couple million bucks for the business when you when you divested? No, I think we sold in November. That was a good time, actually. It was actually, it was certainly, you know, um, you know, it was eight figures. It was actually a good transaction. Oh wow! Okay, how how much revenue did, did the Ensemble product have when you when you divested it? Ensemble had, um, you know, I, I don't know if I'm, um, you know, if I should disclose the revenue, but it was actually the range was less than ten million. 
Less than 10. Okay. Yeah, cool. I'm still actually cool. bound by that contract. That can't disclose the exact revenue figure. But well, let me the reason the reason I'm asking is I'm I'm curious how much of like your core you sort of gave up. So I guess maybe a better question to ask that doesn't get you in NDA trouble is um what percent of revenue across the entire company did Ensemble represent? Was it 50%? No, no, no. Ensemble was much less. Ensemble was, you know, about I would say 25, 20, 25% of our revenue. And okay. when we swapped out Ensemble for eScribe, we are actually, you know, further ahead. So we, you know, revenue run rate basis that was, you know, sort of neutral uh, to actually favorable. I see. Uh, what we now have is it's like trading a player who done really well was not fitting well for a superstar that we can actually all get behind and build a championship team. That's how I started, you know, marketed to my. Board. That's a great analogy. Now I am curious because when you last came on and you talked about the round in August of last year, I believe that was a hundred million dollar secondary at a four hundred million valuation, right? It was not hundred million secondary. It was actually primary and secondary combined. It was actually hundred million dollar round. Oh, I see. Okay, got it. So, so, so some of that capital was used for this acquisition. Some of that capital was secondary. Some of that capital actually went on the balance sheet. Some was secondary, some for transactions, some for operations. Mm-hmm. I see. I see. Okay. Uh, I mean, can you, without getting into trouble here, I mean, less than 50% of the 100 million was secondary? Less than 50, yes. And this okay, this is a pretty significant transaction. We had looked at this transaction. While we were raising money, we kind of knew that we were in due diligence with this team. So this was sort of, you know, one of the drivers, uh, if you will. So this gives us a chance to expand into a big market in terms of talent, Toronto. Then it also actually allows us to be full spectrum, all kinds of board meetings, like I summarized. And then it also gives us a chance to actually expand quickly. Remember, you know, last year we were still... Uh, in COVID sort of, you know, um, uh, you know, times, which means if you had to add 30, 40, 50 people, it's extremely hard to, uh, you know, recruit people while you're all remote. So this was a good chance to find a, a team that can actually help us bulk up quickly since we were seeing, you know, tremendous growth overall. What month did you close the eScribe deal? Eastcap deal was August, uh, you know, so it's coming up actually. That was still the hot, hot, hot time. The market hadn't crashed yet. What mul- what revenue multiple did you pay for the business? Uh, you know, I don't know if I can actually, you know, share the revenue multiple, uh, but I, I'll say actually, you know, there was some, you know, uh, uh, I would say similar multiples. You know, that market was actually really, you know, 10 to 15x sort of multiples. It, it was a good market. Uh, and then, you know, we uh, got ensemble, uh, you know, sort of packaged and off to end contracts also in the same time frame. And now we are seeing actually really sort of, you know, first year anniversary of raising money and doing these transactions, all of that come through. We're seeing our growth rate sort of justify all of that. Yep. While the, the, the valuations were, you know, crazy in the valley. Remember, I was in the Midwest, you know, still raising money from there. And we, I was conscious of finding the right partner, not the one who's giving us the highest multiple, but the one who had the best chance of getting us to sort of, you know, where I think would be uh, the right spot for this business. Yep. So, yep. Now, a lot of times when you're doing a deal like this, the team has 58 people. Were they boot, was eScribe bootstrapped or was there VCs to negotiate with? Oh, it was actually really uh, some angels, but it was bootstrapped. Okay. Yeah, largely bootstrapped. So very capital efficient. That's great. Was the majority of the deal all cash or do they now have a bunch of stock and onboard? No, I think the employees actually, you know, they all rolled. 
they were the you know the core group and actually really sort of you know deeper L1 L2s were uh, vested and, and they got a chance to roll here and some of them cashed out because they they've been invested for a long time i really like these transactions especially when i think about being a you know uh, somebody who started a bootstrap business too you can only hold on to all of that for 5 10 15 years while everybody else around you is actually either working for big tech where they're big, making big big dollars every year or they're seeing these uh, you know short run startup cycles this is a great chance to stay in the same business stay on the same mission while you get to take some chips off so we, we yep. saw a little bit of that uh you know in this transaction as well but you don't want them to take too many chips off because you want them to be incentivized to stick around and build the now combined business together so i mean can you share a little bit in terms of like what you know there's a total deal price of x which you probably can't share but of x what percent did you allow to be sort of you know cash take off the table versus stock in the parent company you know, there was not, you know, a very simple rule, unfortunately, and I'm trying to form my own, uh, you know, uh, framework around this. But a good rule of thumb is, you know, you take half off and then, you know, in the new combined entity, you are back on the schedule to get some more options. So you are actually back in the vesting schedule. Now, yeah. what people quickly see, especially a year into this, you know, they clearly see is that, you know, uh, the next this is a step function up from where they were earlier, you know, in terms of the rigors of planning, the rigors of recruitment, the rigors of, you know, just, uh, um, you know, uh, investments that go into sales and marketing. And that's been the story. If you ask me last one year, we've gone from, you know, 20, 30 people combined in sales and marketing to maybe 60, 70 people. That's been a bunch Just in sales life. and marketing? Just in sales and marketing. Sales and marketing has actually become... Uh, you know, uh, it's it's US, it's Canada, it's UK, it's Australia. First of all, there are four geos, and then you know, chief revenue officer joined us. You know, uh, around middle of the year last year, uh, double the number of AEs, double the number of SDRs. Lots of you know, folks in uh, various aspects of demand gen and you know, uh, and partnership management. All of that went through a sea change. That's the big change, and every employee, whether they have been a you know long time uh, you know uh, member or the ones that came in last year or two, they clearly see that when they see the numbers that really look very different, right? Yeah. yeah. So what what is the just for context? What so what's the total team size today? Everybody. Total team size is actually we are pushing you know two seventy five maybe at this point, and with some racks open, we'll definitely cross three hundred before the end of the year. Traditional endpoint security tools make your workplace feel like a surveillance state. You guys know what I mean, right? They turn users and the IT team into adversaries. And ultimately, I mean, they drive your employees to work on unsecured personal devices. You guys know it doesn't have to be this way. A company called Collide is a device security solution built around what they call honest security. Their biggest philosophy is that employees aren't your biggest security risk, but they can be your biggest allies. And your relationship with them should be based on transparency and informed consent. So Clyde works by notifying your employees of security issues via Slack, which we all use, and gives them step-by-step instructions on how to resolve these issues themselves. For IT and security teams, Collide provides the right level of visibility for Mac, Windows, and Linux devices. And it can answer questions about your fleet security and traditional MDMs can't. You can meet your security goals without compromising your values. Visit collide.com forward slash top to find out how. Now, if you follow that link, guys, they'll hook you up with a goodie bag just for activating a free trial. It's a bag that I love. That link again is K-O-L-I-D-E 
collide.com slash top, collide.com forward slash top. That makes sense. And then real quick, just to go back to the eScribe deal, right? So you mentioned, you know, them doing between five and 10 million bucks in revenue when you acquire them and you pay somewhere between sort of a 10 and 15 X multiple, you close last November on that. So let's just say that deal price was right in the middle there, like a 70 million all in. What you're saying is you're totally cool having 50% of that, you know, or 35 million be cash off the table, but you really want to have the other 35 million of the total deal price be, you know, the equivalent stock and onboard to build the thing long-term together. I, I think that's the model that I would like to pursue going forward. You know, uh, these can get actually expensive at times, and you know the investors don't actually like the 50-50 model. I was sharing with you there that as an operator who stayed in this for a fair amount of time, you know, if you're not a five-year run kind of a business, and by the way, we are in an evergreen business, and this is a key difference. Some pursuits are just going to be evergreen. 20 years from now, somebody's going to be solving for board meetings, I guarantee you. 20 years from now, somebody's going to be solving for employee collaboration. It's such pursuits. In the past, we didn't really have a chance for people to cash in on some of what they've built. Now, with subsequent rounds and some of these transactions, I think it's an amazing opportunity that is afforded to early employees and founders. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't really shake out 50%. You know, I was open to up till 50% for some of those, you know, uh, uh, discussions. Of course, the founders have a lot bigger shares. They, they, they know they're building for long term. And that's where these are top heavy plans often. Most of those folks took some chips off, but didn't really take as much for the reasons that you cited. They know it's going to compound into a much bigger um, you know, a number here as, as, as they look at into the future prospects. Yep. Now, you come employees on. who are sort of lower in the organization and they've been there for five, seven years, and, you know, it's okay for them to actually kind of just, you know, get that relief mm-hmm. and then re up for the next stage. And so, Purun, when you look at including the revenue you added from the ESRAB acquisition, when you look at your revenue growth rate over the past 12 months, what percentage you hit? So, you know, uh, past 12 would be tough. It's across two financial years. I can tell you our goal for this year is to be actually accelerating in our uh, growth rates. So we'll, we'll actually really end, uh, you know, close to 50% growth rate for the year if the rest of the plan year checks out. Yeah. Which is now when you- tremendous. You know, that's actually really sort of, you know, one, one of the key objectives that I had from, you know, this round to accelerate our growth. Yep. Well, I mean, when you came on last and you talked about last year and again, around uh, August, 2,500 customers paying $5,000 ACVs, you were at a $24 million run rate then. And if you added eScribe revenue on top of that, you've got to be probably either flirting with or past 30 million at this point. Is that accurate? That is accurate. And, you know, ending the year, uh, you know, of course, with a few big months, end of the year, actually, you know, we could, we could get to numbers that are higher than, you know, closer towards 35, 37. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. We are also building the foundation for long-term success here. This, some of the go-to-market that we've, you know, uh, redone is it's keeping scale in mind. And, you know, our goal is to actually sustain this for three, four, five years as we actually sort of, you know, uh, continue to, um, you know, uh, leverage all the, you know, opportunity that we see here, some of the that we find uh, is available to us, some of the talent that's actually becoming available, uh, you know, uh, with every step here. 
Yeah. And look, I appreciate how you've built the business. You're one of the rare examples where, I mean, you didn't, you weren't super diluted early. I think you did a $5 million private equity round on 30 million valuation back in 2018. But prior to that, bootstrapped, right? Completely bootstrapped, ran a profit for, believe it or not, 15 years. And some of this math doesn't even make sense, but that's how it worked out. I had two partners early on. And both of them actually worked very well for seven, eight years. We were taking dividends and, you know, profits. And then we realized that one of the partners wanted to actually move on. And the only way to free up the cap table was to buy him out, which meant we had to start saving up and I had to take some debt. And eventually, you know, he was bought out. And then the second partner wanted to do the same. How much did he own equity? How much equity did he own? That that was actually, you know, good uh, more than a third of the company. That was 40%. Well, so you bought back 40% of the business. When? What year was that? Uh, this was uh, 2010 to 2014. I think I was paying down that. My other partner was uh, you know, a credit union. That was my early investor. And they owned about you know, 15% of the cap table. They lent me money to buy uh, you know, the equity from the, uh, the other partner uh, here. And then eventually they said, could we be on the same plan? Could you convert my equity into debt? And I said, yeah, I can do it if we get to reasonable numbers here as I'm you know, still running a bootstrap company. And eventually there came a time when there was no cap table. There was just a single cell. I owned all of it and there was some debt. And I, the first time we took capital uh, from 5Ms, it was to clear out that debt and start thinking about growth again. And that was a... It's it's a skip hop jump method, but you really do have a you know a wonderful sort of you know journey now that you look back at it where early investors made money and then you bootstrapped your way to pay pay all of that off and then eventually took capital to start thinking bigger, scale, and you know, higher growth rates, and then you actually go from there. Now it's MA, um, you know, um, and and you know, building for the next uh, you know, uh, the next phase of the business. Well, Perun, people can hear more of your story uh, at Founder 500, September 1st in Austin, Texas. We're going to dig deeper into all this charts, graphs, more questions. It's going to be fantastic. Real quick though, uh, what year, two, two final questions here before we wrap up with the famous five. What year did you guys pass a million dollars in revenue? Do you remember? Million dollars in revenue, 2004, actually, 2005, 2004 or five, one or the other. And, yeah. and so when did the company launch? Uh, January, 2003. Wow. Okay. I love this. Long-term focus, consistent. It's great. It's my 20th year of doing this. Uh, the, the success here, uh, the secret here, I should say, is that I've always known that I'll be doing this. And I st- I'm still building it like I'm going to be doing this 20 more years. Yeah, uh, I you love know, that. If I can say this with, you know, uh, uh, you know not sounding, uh, you know, um, uh, like I know how the future is going to go. Investors will come and go if you find yourself in an evergreen space. Keep building like you're going to own this forever because you just might. Yeah, I love that analogy. And Prune, you're managing your cap table appropriately. You have taken some dilution, $5 million from 5 Elms to take out the debt, $100 million secondary to get the e-scribe deal done, plus the divestiture, plus operating capital. But it still sounds like, I mean, you still own what, 40 to 60% of the business personally? I, I think I still own substantial portion of the business. And I still actually, you know, it's still, you know, he dodged the so question. Much to be he, dodged, he dodged the question. All right. I, I did dodge the question <laughs> just because it's actually really, I, I don't know what I should share. What the, the math on this is actually far, uh, uh, you know, um, I'm ahead of 
what I'd ever thought of. That's what well, I love. I love that prune. Let's wrap up your famous five quick answers. Number one, favorite book. Um, favorite book. Um, I'd say, um, that's a good one. Actually. What's a good, uh, book that I'm actually hooked to right now. Uh, actually, you know, favorite book would still be, uh, eating the big fish. I think I gave you the same answer last time. No, you said good to great. Eating number, the big fish. This is if you're a challenger, number two, number three, go get them. That's the number book. number two. Is there a CEO you're following or studying? I am actually. I you know I certainly like uh, you know quite a few of the ones that everybody follows. You know Tim Cook, uh, Jamie Diamond. But this this time I actually went to Warren Buffett's annual conference and spent a couple of days and really like the long term value. Uh, and, and moat-based worldview that he presents. And I find it extremely compelling. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building on board besides your own? Favorite online tool? Uh, I'm using uh, favorite online tool, actually. You know, I'd still say Slack. I Slack okay. just with myself. So I right. qualify. We use Teams for the company. I Slack with multiple channels. I'm having a great time just using it just on my phone for my thoughts. Love that. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, five to seven. And situation, married, single, kids? Married uh, with a five-year-old. One kid. So, and did you celebrate a birthday? Are you, are you 47 now? Uh, I did celebrate a birthday. I'm 47 now. My wife and I have been together 20 years. And the business has been going 20th year now. And uh, yeah, it's a lot to actually continue to uh, be thankful for. Guys, there you have it. Bro I launched the business in 2003, broke a million in revenue back in 2005. On track to break, caught 35, 36 million this year. They just did a big acquisition, $100 million secondary plus operating capital, plus money for that acquisition last year at a $400 million valuation. He's being smart with uh, capital allocation in the business. They look to continue doing this for the next 20 years. Again, onboardmeetings.com. Help you run effective board meetings, both follow-up and pre-event uh, pre to make sure it runs smoothly. Prune, thanks for taking us to the top. You got it. Thank you so much for listening.